Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and tell them Locked On Cowboys sent you. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Oh, another day, uh, another uh, navigating the news and, and seeing how many uh, n- new Cowboys players have potentially gotten uh, pes- tested positive for COVID at some point. Uh, it'll, yeah. I, it'll be interesting. It, you know, it's fascinating to me that as someone who follows the Cowboys, uh, you have to have a, a knowledge base uh, that you know goes from uh, local misdemeanor laws to uh, contract law <laughs> to uh, HIPAA violation law to you know medical oh, medical exam. You gotta have like a, at least a decent knowledge of of, of uh, sprains and, and strains and, and broken bones. It's like you have a, you have a medical degree, a law degree. It's not just football. It's, it's, it's not really just not. Football. It really isn't. It's so funny. Like. How we all become like you know armchair experts in all these other disciplines in order to follow this team. Well, do you remember in 2017 we were reading through like law documents and oh stuff about Ezekiel Elliott and yeah. all labor, that. labor be... law and all, and all this different oh. stuff is just totally nuts. My gosh. It's just Man, a constant. A... <laughs> it's a constant research project. This this job, frankly. I was gonna say, being a Dallas Cowboys podcast host is absolutely <laughs> exhausting. It's just ridiculous. Um, all right, so coming up on today's show, we're gonna answer your Twitter questions. Um, but the first one I wanted to start with, uh, Lane, it actually came to me in a, in a DM. Uh, this person has just a burner account, so whoever sent this to me, thanks for using a burner. Um, they wanted to know if you could have one position group in the NFL to start a franchise with. What would it be? So if you pick, let's say, the Cowboys' offensive line, you get all of their players on the offensive line. If you pick the Saints' defensive backfield, you get all of their players in the in that secondary. So with that in mind, Landon, I want you to pick someone from the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Which which teams do you think have the strongest positional groups? So I would say on the offensive side of the ball, and again, we're, we're, we're not counting quarterbacks. No. Uh, I would you say almost I'm, have to go offensive line, right? That that's almost the way you have to go, correct? I mean, I guess even though I was not about to go offensive line, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, even though I'm an offensive line guy, I thought I would, you know, I thought we, I'd give you the satisfaction because you had a good answer. Uh, I I I think that you look at what the Cowboys have at wide receiver. And then you look at some of these other teams like Tampa Bay and like, you know, they have, Mm. they have weaponry that can, that can really put up a ton of points and it's a passing league. I would say, you know, normally, yes, I'd probably pick offensive line, but for, you know, for the sake of making this question interesting, (laughs) I'm going to, I, I would, I would pick a tie between the Tampa Bay and the Cowboys wide receiver group, I think. Okay, and I can get behind that because you do have, you know, in, well, at least in Dallas' situation, you have three guys you really like. Um, now, if you're, if you're including tight ends in there, I don't know if that's fair or not, but if you're including, like, wide receiver tight ends, so basically pass game options, I think Tampa Bay is a little closer because you get Evans, Godwin, and then you get, you know, Howard and Gronk. 
How about the Chiefs if you're doing that? Yeah. You, know, you get Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, so two all pros there. And then a lot of guys that people like quite a bit in Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman, who they drafted in the second round last year. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's an interesting name. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. But for me, you have to go offensive line just because it's so important. Uh, you want to get you know a, a team that has five really good offensive linemen, no weak spots, preferably young. And that's why I like New Orleans. You get the two tackles, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, both pro bowlers. And then three really young, good interior offensive linemen and Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, who was a draft pick by the Saints last year, and then Cesar Ruiz, who was a first-rounder in 2020 coming out of Michigan. I think they're really good. I think you can certainly make a case for Dallas as well, having three pro bowlers with Tyron, uh, Zach Martin, and Lyle Collins. Uh, I think the Colts are another one that makes sense. Yeah. Um, any other any other offensive groups that are intriguing to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you you mentioned you mentioned the two the, all the kind of really stellar ones. I, you know, I think that you kind of need to mention uh, you know the, the San Francisco's offensive line. I think is starting to yeah, shape good. up there. Now that you mentioned, now that you add Trent Williams to that group, you've got him and Mike McClinchy uh, on the outside. With Weston Richburg, who's a good pivot guy, and then Lakin Tomlinson, who I think is a is a good fit at guard. So I, I like that group a lot. Um, you know, I mean, there's several different running back groups, but I'm assuming I, I don't want to throw you into a tizzy, so <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't mention that. I got I got a good defensive one that I hadn't mentioned that I, I think is going to okay. upset some people. Uh, I, I think I would take the Washington defensive line. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, that's smart. Oh, my gosh. That group is absolutely loaded. Chase Young, oh. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Montez Sweat with Ryan, Ryan Kerrigan coming off the bench. Which is... And Matt Iodinus is their rotational third defensive line, defensive tackle. It's like, that's a good group, guys. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good one. Um I think the 49ers is another one that you have to mention, you know, having Nick Bosa and Armstead and D Ford and now Javon Kinlaw. I think that's really good. Um, what about, what about the Broncos? You get Von Miller, who is still one of the best pass rushers in the league. Bradley Chubb, I think is fantastic. Uh, they added Jarrell Casey this off season. Um, they have some young defensive tackles and Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker on their team as well. Shelby Harris is a pretty good, you know, inside outside defensive end. Um, I, I think I think they're pretty pretty loaded there as well. So um, yeah, so this is a fun question. Uh, I think you can go a lot of different ways. We even talked about secondaries, right? Like we love yeah. the Saints secondary. Uh, the Chargers might have maybe the most fun secondary in terms of all their movable pieces, right? With you know Derwin James, and now they brought in oh, Chris Harris man. Jr. with Casey Hayward and Des King, and I mean and they drafted I believe near Nasir Adderley last year. I mean that's just an absolutely loaded group, but. Uh, yeah, kind of a fun a fun little exercise. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys today about rockauto.com. It's a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers for over 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Their website is incredibly easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always incredibly low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
Make sure you write locked in in their how did you hear about us box to let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. All right, Landon, let's get into some of the questions. We got a bunch of good ones from Twitter. Um, this one is from at arguing underscore Cowboys. Uh, he says, hey, guys, would you rather have a slow cornerback with good coverage skills or a fast cornerback who uses speed to make up for the lack of coverage ability? I think this is a good question because I think it, this reminded me of uh, when I was watching Trevon Diggs. Uh, there was a lot of times you know, when I was watching his film, uh, he would get beat deep quite often but because of his length he was able to knock away passes he was able to use some of his uh you know size to disrupt corners um or disrupt receivers but speed is so so important at that cornerback position so which one would you rather have landon a fast corner who uses his speed to make up for some of his lack of coverage ability or the slow corner who knows how to use you know the little intricacies to, to stop receivers you know, I think that this is really a question of, you know, schematic taste, right? Because part of it is about, you know, whether you want, you need those uh, those corners to be kind of playing on an island and, and be able to make up for that kind of speed or, or whether you want to give those corners some help over the top in order to kind of help uh, uh, allow them to kind of face the quarterback and attack the ball and make plays and and, and you know it's the whole coverage versus disruption in the passing game argument. You know it's like if you get a guy who can stick with the wide receiver, he's not going to may not get turnovers, but the, he's going to discourage the quarterback from throwing that direction. Though if you get a quarterback who is kind of savvy and can get his hands on football, but maybe is you know not quite the the vertical athlete you know going up the field that you want, then you, you're going to have to you know, know that you're going to need to put resources into helping him out over the top. And is that something you want to do? Because when you do that, it's all a big game of robbing Peter to, mm-hmm. to robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's, it's, you know, whether you want to invest that extra guy into uh, deep in coverage to help out a corner or whether you want that extra guy as a pass rusher, you know, to, and, and putting that corner on an Island by themselves. So I, I, to answer the question, I, I think it's it's really just about what fits best for what you're trying to do. If you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, send your, uh, if you're trying to send as many people as you can at the quarterback, uh, you want a guy who can uh, handle a wide receiver, you know, on his own, and maybe he won't get his hands on the football. But it'll force the quarterback when he looks over there to, to kind of either look away to his next read, hold on to the ball a little bit longer. In, in, in either way, hopefully one of those two things gets uh, your pass rush home in time. So I, I think the question, the answer, I know I didn't really answer the question very well, but I think it's, <laughs> it's all right. No, I think the point is, is that it's, you know, it's it's very much tied to what you're trying to do in, in, in a lot. Right. And even right. real frankly to the to the kind of 10,000 foot question of pass rush versus coverage right because i think the the argument is 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 a lot more nuanced than that is do you want coverage that's gonna you know make the quarterback look away and not throw the ball that way or do you want coverage where the quarterback is going to make a risky throw and play you know potentially causing a turnover and playing right into your defensive back's hands right it's it's about where do you want the quarterback to throw the ball short or try to throw the ball down the field because i like for using digs or even daryl worley for an example those guys are fantastic in the first five to ten yards uh, of a route um 
So they're basically going to dare teams to throw the ball over the top. Uh, and that's basically the complete opposite of the way that Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard have coached over the last couple of years, where they're fine having everything in front of them uh, and playing a bend but don't break style defense. It's going to be fascinating to see how it works. I think, I think ask me this question next offseason. I think it will probably have a better answer for you, right? Um, all right, this next one, Landon, uh, comes from uh, at TD Lamb. Uh, while he still has two years left on his deal, what would Gallup be worth as a free agent right now? And when do the Cowboys start talking about an extension? I would hate to see him be the odd man out two years from now. So um, this offseason wasn't great in terms of like finding comparable contracts because Amari Cooper got $20 million a year. The next highest paid receiver in free agency was Robbie Anderson, who got $10 million a year from uh, the Panthers. So there's really, there's really nothing in between. Uh, but what do you think he would get on the open market right now? Does 11, 12 million sound about right, or do you think he gets more than that? I, I mean, I think 11 to 12 is probably you know where you would start at it. I think it also very much depends on what the market looks like, you know, because yeah. I think Gallup is a guy who is probably not quite accomplished enough to command huge number on any on just a neutral market you know like no matter like no matter what but i think if he was put into the the right market where there there weren't a lot of good top-end young receivers i mean you look at you look at him right now i mean he's i don't have it in front of me but i what 23 years old 20 yeah 23 yeah so I, i mean like he he 23 year old who put up 1100 yards last year who looks like I mean did it from the X position too. So I, I think you know you, you think he can come in and probably be a, a number one. He I mean he he has the potential to be a number one receiver in this league. I think sure. Uh, and I yeah. think that that's what you would be paying for in a, in this market. And I think that if if you were to get him in a market where he is at that top or at least in that top group of wide receivers available he's probably already going to be younger than all of the rest of those guys mm-hmm. and has more upside. So I think that you could get him into a situation where the market would dictate that he gets, I don't know, maybe $15 million, 13 to 14, $15 million a year, just because, you know, there's not a ton of opportunity to get young proven talent at the position on the free agent market like that. Usually you're having to pay for, you know, uh, if there's talent at the market up top, it's a 30-year-old player or it's uh, a guy who, you know, I mean, there are definitely guys who are going to show up on the market and they're going to, you know, if, if, if you know, uh, Cooper had shown up on the market, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's commanding $18 million minimum, right? Like, I mean, sure. like that's yeah. the starting part of the conversation. But outside of those guys, I think that Gallup is one of those who... If he showed up in the right market, he probably would make eleven to twelve million. If he showed up in another sure. correct market, he probably could make thirteen, fourteen million, just because you know of the scarcity of the position and because he's such a unique player that doesn't get to free agency very often. Yeah, a couple things really quickly. Uh, he actually turned twenty four in March, so he's I mean still incredibly young. Uh, averaged almost seventeen yards of reception last year. When you can do that, you become a really valuable player. Just because it's hard to find those guys that can make big plays down the field. And as you were talking, I just kind of went through the list of teams that could use a player of his caliber. I think it's at least fair to say, and this is again pretty conservative. 
he would be the best receiver on at least eight teams right now. And I can run through a couple of them if you'd like me to. The, the Dolphins, I think he's better than anybody the Patriots have right now. Edelman's old. Uh, I like Marquise Brown, but he's better than Brown's Hollywood, so that's the Ravens. Uh, I think he's I, I think he's better than Juju, so I think he's, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, Houston, Jacksonville, uh, or the the Raiders even the Giants Redskins uh, Eagles I think he's I think he's better than everybody they have, um, so yeah if he hits the open market it I think it's pretty safe to say he probably does get eleven to twelve million at the minimum I think he's a better player than Robbie Anderson so um, yeah I think I think depending on the the team thirteen fourteen million is not out of the realm of possibilities. I think he would be best as like the one A to somebody's one B, right? If you if you paired him with let's say, I don't know, uh, let's say he ended up in Miami and you put him with Devonte Parker, I think that makes a lot of sense. Or if you put him with a Hollywood Brown, I think that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I definitely think he's going to get paid in the near future. Uh, do you think it's going to be by the Cowboys? Do you think he's a, a long term option here, or do you think they're going to just roll with Amari and? CD in the next couple of years. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he what he does this year, uh, and I think that if if he finds a way to really produce with all of these different you know targets in this offense, uh, he's probably going to command a, a hefty fee. And uh, I f- imagine that at that point, you know, they'll start conversations probably. I won't know the end of the season. He's this is his third year, right? This, this yeah. is the third. Year. I, he, he, the, the the realistic thing is it probably, obviously, it's going to depend on what Gallup does, right? If he yeah. has another eleven hundred, twelve hundred yard year, I think Dallas would love to bring him back. But I also think it's going to depend on Amari, right? If Amari is banged up and he's inconsistent, you know, again, maybe the home away splits continue to be a problem. Dallas can get out of Amari's contract after the 2021 season pretty easily. Um, so maybe if that happens, again, maybe you decide, okay, let's just keep Gallup. We'll, we'll stay a little younger, uh, and we'll roll with Gallup and, and CD long term. But if Amari plays up to his potential and he's healthy, I think that could also maybe make Dallas a little bit more hesitant to, to pay Michael Gallup. So it's certainly it's something that's with a lot of moving pieces right now. If the offense is elite, elite with those three guys, maybe the Cowboys will just want to stick with them. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see to see what happens with that wide receiver group because man, there's a there's a lot of talent in that room. Um, let's get to some more questions. This one is from Drew. Should Dak hold out? He won't, but should he? Or let's say he misses the season for whatever reason. How far could Andy Dalton carry us, and would there be any major scheme changes? So if the Cowboys knew going into the season that Dalton was their week one starter because of whatever happened to Prescott, how far can they go? Are they still a playoff team? No. No. I don't think so. Not in the NFC. I mean, not not this year. I think there's 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 a lot of good talent team this year. I think, you know, you, you add one more. I mean, I don't know what Tampa's going to look like. Right, I mean, I think sure, they, sure. it's it's just a big wild card. But I think you have to think at this point until you so you see otherwise that we've now just added another kind of top end team to that to the group in the NSC. So yeah. I think Chicago is going to bounce back too. I think that's another team that you know kind of had a down year last year. You know, still one of the best defenses in the league. I think they're going to be at least back in the conversation for a playoff team as well. So you, you add in those guys, and then you've got Philly, you've got 
you know, Seattle, which will always be in it. You've got San Francisco, obviously. Yeah. yeah, you've got. So I just think that there's, you know, there's, you know, Green Bay will probably not go away quietly. But I mean, New, I, you or, know, yeah, New, New Orleans, Orleans is, is fantastic. Yeah, New Orleans is, is one of the favorites, if not the favorite. You know, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think that maybe if Philly falls apart, uh, and you know Washington still needs some more time, I, 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 you know, I don't know that New York is. I mean, New York might might be better. You know, like I, I think they'll be better. I think they're still yeah. a year away, but I do think no, they'll sure. be better. But yeah. I, I think if if but if we're talking about not having Dak and you know playing with, I mean that I think that's the problem is that you you, you I think a lot more games where the Cowboys clearly mm-hmm. had a talent advantage suddenly goes out the window. You well, know? I think the same can be said for Washington, right? I, I like Ron Rivera. I think he'll be an upgrade. And then that defense is going to be incredible for Washington. If Haskins can take, take any steps forward in 2020, I think, again, I don't think they're a playoff team, but could they be somebody who plays in you know, 12 one-score games this year? I think that's certainly possible. Yeah, I mean... Uh... It's just a tough conference. That's what it is. It's just a really deep, tough conference. There's a lot of talented teams, you know, and and even with Dak, I think they'll be fighting to the end unless, you know, they really kind of uh, codify something something, uh, unique and special. I just think all these teams are going to be struggling to the end. So, yeah, losing your starting quarterback certainly doesn't give you any guarantee to still make the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I just feel like in the NFC, the the margin to be in the playoffs and be out of the playoffs is so razor thin that when you remove, you know, one of the top three, four quarterbacks from the conference and you just put them with a, even an average starter, you're probably losing two or three extra games. So I, I love Dalton. I was, I was a big fan of the signing. He's a great, great backup. But if you take him off this team... It's just hard for me to envision the Cowboys uh, still making the playoffs. A great, great backup will get you through three games where you have your don't have your quarterback, and he'll win all three. You know, uh, yeah, uh, sure. that, that's like uh, that's an astounding backup, you know, job. Like, sure, to, to expect, or even going two and one. Yeah, yeah, to expect like what Nick Foles did or any of that stuff. Like, that's absolutely unrealistic, and and it's uh, right. and it's not something that I mean. The fact that it was so amazing then shows you that how unrealistic it is. So, uh, yeah, I think that people need to kind of really set the expectation here correctly that we're excited because if Dak gets hurt with a, you know something that keeps him out for two or three games, we feel comfortable, depending on the opponent, that he, that we get to stay in those games. I don't want to mm. face Dak. I don't want to face – I don't want the Cowboys to face anybody – for more than three games without, you know, without Dak. Like, that's just, like, there's no backup quarterback that I would feel comfortable just subbing into this game for, you know, for the long haul. That's just not something that you do in the NFL. Just wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked on Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. If you've never tried a Built Bar before, let me tell you this. They are by far the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors. The best part is it's a low-calorie bar with a ton of protein packed in with no crazy additives. If you want to get in on Built Bars, just go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for 50% off your first order. All right, Landon, this next one comes from AtReason33WG. Who are you the most worried about if the team doesn't get a regular training camp? And this doesn't even necessarily have to be a a player or anything like that. But is there 
Is there a position that you think needs training camp more than others? Um, like, for example, if, if they don't have uh, – let's say training camp is just shortened. I don't think it's going to affect like someone like Ezekiel Elliott or Tony Pollard at all. But it could affect the offensive line. We've seen the offensive line sometimes, even you know into the regular season, they need a few weeks to kind of get going and get back to that level of physicality and play and kind of work themselves into shape. Uh, what positions could be in the most trouble with a, a shortened training camp? I mean, I don't want to be alarmist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say the whole team's in trouble if there's a shortened training camp. I mean, you know, like there's a new coaching staff. There's, yeah. I mean, I would say definitely defense is in trouble. And, and in fact, I would go ahead and, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and state that for at least the first three or four games, I am, I am really, really concerned about the defense, no matter how much training camp they get. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think that this is just a, terrible year for this to be happening for the Cowboys. So what you're saying is the Cowboys should have stuck with Jason Garrett. I, I no, I, I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that. I'm saying that, but I will say this. I will say this. I think that, honest to God, there may be a chance that if Jason Garrett had stayed, that they may have had the same record that they have this year. Simply because he, the ten years of established policy, yeah. you know what I'm saying. I know everyone yeah. hates to say that, but as continuity a, is going to be a key this year. Uh, it really here's is. Here's the thing that people don't want to understand: coaching staffs, coaching uh, front offices, that sort of thing. As much effect as they have on the actual wins and losses, I, I mean. A, a lot of that is going to be mitigated by the fact that that this coaching staff is not going to have nearly as much time with this team this year. Now, I, I'm not saying that this that this shouldn't get done. That Mike McCarthy doesn't have a a future that could be extremely better than Jason Garrett. I'm not saying that at all. What I sure. am saying is that in this specific scenario, where maybe the most valuable thing is a coach can have at this point for. Uh, to, to help his team is experience with that team mm-hmm. that this this coach doesn't have any experience with his this team and, and especially the the you know they're, they're keeping a lot of things on offense but they're changing it a lot on the defense so I really am concerned about that but I, I would say that yeah it, it's it's problematic to be sure and, and I think that it's something to keep an eye on if 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 they are able to you know kind of get through this and and have a a uh, uh, you know successful season, um, then I mean we really need to give sing the praises of Mike McCarthy because this is a an incredibly difficult position he's been put into. Yeah, I think the teams that are going to have a lot of success this year are the ones that ha- are bringing back the same coaching staff, most of the same roster. So, I mean, teams like Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. I, I just think those guys that that have been there for a long time, I think are going to are, are going to do well, but. You know, I think for the Cowboys, what they just need to do is survive the first, what, six games of the season. If they can do that, you know, and they start clicking in the second half of the year when the schedule gets a little bit easier, uh, when they've had some time to learn Mike McCarthy's scheme and Mike Nolan's scheme, I think things will be okay. Um, Last question, Landon. Uh, This one is from FFB underscore barbecue. What percentage chance would you give CeeDee Lamb to be the target leader for the team in 2021? So not this year, but next year. Do you think he becomes the team's number one alpha receiver by next season? Huh. 
I don't know. So I, what would have to happen for them, him to do that? He would basically need to have a good rookie season, and they become a, a an absolute star in 2021 with Cooper and Gallup being complimentary players. Yeah. I, I, Seems like a little bit of a reach that soon, right? Yeah, I think that this is, like, it just seems a little too much. Um, it's just... It, it's just like it's it's just it's it's a lot of predicting for what he's going to do this year. It's a lot of predicting for for uh, Cooper. Uh, he would have to have a very, I mean, obviously an incredible rookie season, and I think that Cooper would have to maybe have an, a down season again. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, I would. It, it would have to be. Let me both ask you this. Them. Yeah. What are the chances that he leads the Cowboys in touchdown receptions this year? Because I think that's far more likely than him leading in targets, right? Because he's just not going to see the, as many targets as a Cooper and Gallup. But what are the chances that he leads this team in touchdowns? Because I, I could certainly see that. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, it's because you know he might be a little bit better of a red zone weapon than some of the other receivers, and uh, you know, I, yeah, I think I could see that. I, I just, I don't know. Like, it depends on really what you mean by the leading receiver and by, you know, like if a target share, that sort of thing. I, I think those yeah. are all, that's all very much, you know, there's a lot of variables involved there, including who they're playing and, and, and all that. So sure. it's hard to predict that, but I wouldn't, I, I don't think it's un- unrealistic to expect that he might have more touchdowns than all the other receivers just because of his, yeah, so- his play style. Yeah, so Cooper last year had the most touchdowns of his career, eight. Uh, Michael Gallup, I'm um, checking his real quick. Let me see his. He had six touchdowns last year. Now, he was banged up too. So I'm guessing for CeeDee Lamb to lead the receivers in touchdowns, probably eight, nines, probably the number. I, I could see that. I, I, I really could. Given the way he plays and he's going to be in the slot, uh, maybe they split him out wide as the, as the fade receiver. It would not shock me if he has a couple games a season with two touchdowns, right? And then all you got to do is catch a couple in the rest of the year. That That's not all that unlikely to me. So don't be surprised if CeeDee Lamb does lead the Cowboys in recept- touchdown receptions this year. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. Uh, you can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. Make sure you listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. And you can follow me at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.